Hello, listeners. Welcome again to the Mysteries Unknown podcast hosted by me, Hunter the MC, and today on Behind the Mist. So, many people are usually familiar with the setting of Dungeons & Dragons, known as the Forgotten Realms. But what if you go outside of that and forget the whole setting entirely, and instead, you take a whole world, if not worlds, from a different setting created by the same company? So today, I have the Dungeon Master for the Fireside Dice Podcast, where they take the worlds from the Magic the Gathering card game and put their players and plane walk throughout these different worlds and dimensions. Introduce yourself. Hello there, I'm Jens. Um, as previously mentioned, I'm the Dungeon Master for Fireside Dice. Um, in terms of playing... RPGs as a whole, I've played through probably five or six different systems. Played for, uh, I think it's been not quite ten years at this point. So, that's my that's my RPG career in a nutshell. Aside from that, I'm a student, I'm a learner, I try and, you know, make things better. All right, and that perfectly ties into the segment that I usually will have everyone go off in is kind of your RPG history. Uh, so what was the first game that you played when it came to tabletop RPGs? Oh, my goodness. So the first game that I played, I played... My first game was in a Dungeons & Dragons 3.5 edition game, and my character, my first character was a bard who was working for the big bad evil guy actively and was sent in as an imposter to the group to try and figure out information for the BBEG. Then from there, I've played in 2nd edition, 5th edition D&D, Star Wars RPG from 2000, released by Wizards of the Coast, Pathfinder 1st edition, um, oh my goodness, what's the name of the creator for it? Savage Worlds, I mean... I've been I've I've dabbled in a lot of different settings and systems. All right, so as previ- as I just previously mentioned, uh you you are the DM for the Fireside Dice podcast and instead of using the Forgotten Realms that most D&D campaigns use, you basically in a sense kind of create your own by taking all the worlds from Magic the Gathering. Uh just kind of give us an insight of what brought up this about. This what made you decide let me use this instead? Well, when we were starting up Fireside Dice, one of the big questions that we had was, what is it that's going to set us apart, and what is it that's going to be recognizable enough for us to have enough of a brand? And we thought about doing kind of a full homebrew setting, and we thought, well, if we're just barely starting out, a full homebrew setting is going to be confusing for players and for listeners, more than likely. If you're not invested into people that are producing it it's gonna be this is nice fluff i'm wondering what all the character stuff is going on and you'd need to have a really good character driven story and we didn't want to do all the way to the other side where we're doing a published campaign as there's there's a variety of those and there's a variety of podcasts that are doing that so we tried to blend the two a little bit there's a couple of full source books one for ravnica gigantic cityscape and one of the more recognizable planes in Magic the Gathering. There's a full book for Theros, a world inspired by Greek history. And they have these little, like, folios that are like 30-page documents that you can get online for a variety of the other planes, and we even homebrewed a few of them ourselves. Does that really kind of answer? Yeah, that's a good answer. But I'm also just kind of thinking, so... What is your... Just tell us about your relationship with the players. How did you all meet? Um, interestingly enough, I am not the one who really decided to helm the founding and production for Fireside Dice. I, I was invited on by our editor and one of our players, Skylar, and he's the one who really introduced all the rest of us together. When he decided that he wanted to put this whole shebang together... We he he and he handpicked all of the individuals that are in the show and brought us all together. We did a test recording 
that I played in, once again, as a bard, that I, I'm sensing a trend there. That's besides the <laughs> point. Um, and after that test session, he was like, I can do either the front-end stuff of the planning and the dungeon mastering, or I can do the back-end stuff and do the editing, the recording, and man and managing the IP that we have. And I, I, I offered to him, I was like, hey, Skylar, dude, my friend, I'll DM. I will absolutely take that front end. So in terms of how did I know them before starting the podcast, I didn't. And it's been so amazing to come into this community, even with the small capacity that I have, and to kind of broaden that horizon from just a tabletop thing to do at home with the family to a thing to find more friends with. All right. So was the setting then your idea or Scholar's idea then? Because it sounds like from the way you describe it, Scholar was kind of like the mastermind behind Fireside Die. So, and I'm trying to, I like to be one of those guys that's like, you all have your own roles to play and stuff when it comes to the tabletop. So. Well, so when we did the test session, we were initially going to do a homebrew design from Skylar's own head. He had he had a whole like continent set up and it was it was interesting and I'm not going to share it in case that thing ever does come to light. Um but after we did the initial test recording and we decided okay, Jens is going to take the front end and Skylar's going to take the back end and we'll do all of the producing together. It really became a Okay, so do we want to continue in this same world that Skylar created and have Jens just absolutely bastardize it? Do we want to shift to something else? Do we want to do... And I presented, hey, here's a few different th- options that I'm presenting. Here's a homebrew of my design. We can bastardize Skylar's. We can do some established settings with kind of our own story. We can do a full-blown um, campaign module. One of the ones that I really was pushing towards was doing um, either Curse of Strahd or Descent into Avernus. And Descent into Avernus, we decided it was going to be too dark. And then we were like, Curse of Strahd, and I was like, hey, Curse of Strahd actually works really well with setting from Magic the Gathering. We could we could do stuff in Magic the Gathering. It'd be unique. It'd have a different community that we could you know try and bring in just to have that little bit of crossover and diversifying the portfolio. It, honestly, it's turned out really fun having what I like to call Curse of Innistrad. Yeah, I just remember... Sorry, go ahead and finish your oh, thought. No, it's you. no, I just remember because I start because Skylar started following me, then I found the podcast through him, and I was really enjoying it. Like, I've been enjoying every single episode. I love all the characters interactions all the fun moments in the game and then when it got to the innistrad arc i know because i have been listening to some other curse of strata a podcast playing at the time some of the stuff that happened that was happening in your guys's arc was really starting to like this feels familiar and then i can't remember which i think it was the app episode uh after y'all took the girl to the mansion the uh the one that in this, the Innistrad was after, or I forget what his name, what y'all named him in the show. I'm I'm sorry. Streffen Mauer. Streffen Mauer, that we call him, and he's actually he's a notorious character on the plane of Innistrad, and it's actually presented in the little folio that I talked about earlier. That hey, use Curse of Strahd, apply these, you know cosmetic changes call this guy Streffen Mauer here's his backstory here's the bits of lore that people have that is changed from the source material and it's like oh this is just this is almost one to one this is so cool yeah but it was after the episode where you had the girl that Streffen Mauer was trying to come after when y'all dropped her off at the uh, governor the mayor's house and I just remember texting Skyler like is this supposed to be Curse of Strahd and as soon as he said yes, I sent the the uh, gif of Sheldon Cooper going, "Ha! I knew it." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's one of the hopes is to be able to show to people, "Hey, if you take these established books and you take your own twist on it, 
there's so much more that you can do with the game. You don't have to do full homebrew. You don't have to do full just straight there by the book. You can mix it up. Yeah, exactly. And um, that actually makes me think about, so shameless plug here for a friend of mine, the RPG Goblin. I did two episodes with her talking about City of Mist, and the second one was going over the Master Ceremonies Toolkit book. And it basically, it just uh, short and sweet, it provides all the resources that you need to run your own game. But it also, because City of Mist tabletop has its own lore that surrounds it as well. It provides you like places and people and the big baddies and all that too for the game. So it's saying, here's all this, but like you just said, you could take it and basically create something of your own as well. It's half the fun of the game. Is and For me as a dungeon mess, as forever DM, I've, I, one of the things that I've ended up doing is doing just so much DMing and very rare that I get the opportunity to be a player, but as a player, you also have that agency to be able to decide how does your character work. And it, one of the things that 5th edition has done really well is help try to define what is your backstory, where does your character fr- come from, and I get that not all players are worried about where did my character come from, where did they go, where did they come from, Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> <laughs> But being able to take that creativity and put it somewhere is honestly such an amazing outlet. Yes. So I'm just veering off for just for just a second. But I also want to know. So I don't know uh, how did the name Fireside Dice come to be. What what made everyone or whoever decided on that be like this is the name. I am not entirely certain myself. If I'm being perfectly honest. Um. I think there was a few different names that we workshopped with, and there was a couple that it was like, oh, the, the this is already an IP, this is already some podcast or a dice company or something like that. I know that we wanted to do something with fire and dice, but it just didn't work out quite that way, because there's like fire and ice. I mean, in terms of what the full story is, you'd need to ask Skyler, because I'm pretty sure he is the one who finalized it. I'm just like, let's go. I'm, I'm, I'm just as much enjoying the roller coaster ride as actually trying to drive and r- make the rails. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I'm definitely going to be getting him on here at some point. So, Skyler, if you're listening to this, we're warning you in advance that we are going to get you on here at some point. So, <laughs> losing my train of thought here. Let me think here. Go back so... to the station. Back to wait. Yeah, go back to the station to find the train. Oh, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, what was I just... Oh, okay, now I remember what I was going to talk about. Yeah, because I really... I was going to say one of the things I like about the podcast is the intro that you all always have for your episodes, where it's that roar of the fire, and then Skylar just going, oh, hey, come, come join us by the fire. You're going to love this story. And then he allowed, and then I got to have him remake that for our one shot that we did. Um, make sure you go listen to the three part of Lies of Leprechaun's one shot that we all did. It's really great, and we had a blast with it. So it's so much fun. Yeah, that actually brings up so kind of veering away from Dungeons and Dragons for a little bit because even though you didn't mention it, you played Cynthia Mist, which is what I'm usually good at running. So just kind of I just want to dive in a little bit deeper, kind of like what on your thoughts and feelings were just playing that game as to how you would feel like playing D&D. Well, so here's the thing. D&D is really good for what it is as a fantasy adventure and tactical RPG. Whereas with and it's really well suited for doing the fantasy type setting. Being able to do a completely different setting opens up a whole nother toolbox and a whole nother set of options for how your character works. With City of Mists, what you have is you've got like urban mysteries, you can bring in legends, you can bring in stories and myths. I mean, it's a completely different setup than how Dungeons and Dragons is. And so I really appreciated being able to take that creativity that I normally have just for like high fantasy and apply it to something else. And I know that for me initially, it was like, how does my character work? How, what's the setting like? I'm trying to recognize what the rules and regulations and all the wither twos and why fours are. Being able to go into and play as Rowan Hood, 
Um, not 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 so nuddle, subtle nod right there. Um, if you can't guess the character from that, I played as a incarnation of Robin Hood. Being able to tie in some of that legend and folklore and bringing in all of these other pieces of this toolkit was so much fun. Yeah, so especially I with... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, especially with the amount of like research and backstory you put into him, which a lot of people that I know don't usually don't go that deep into like the backstories of the legends. Just how much you took from like the Robin Hood story, and we were able to apply it because it really helped me a lot with trying to figure out. Since you were giving me all this information, it's like, oh, how can I apply this now to the story that's going on right now? Because we were able to have like Little John, the Merry Men, and some other like little figures here and there as well. So that was just really, imp- I was really impressed by just how much you kind of went into it. Well, and that's that's how I try and apply myself. That's what I feel like a good player does is they don't just sit at the table and they don't just sit there and say, okay, when do I get to roll my dice? They actively engage in the story and they actively try to help the dungeon master or the master of ceremonies or whoever the whoever the narrator is, who they try to help them tell that same story and not go into main character syndrome or there's so many different problems that a player can have but to have a good player who is engaged and active and involved is all that I can ask for and that's all that I end up trying to be is active and engaged and involved and so yeah it, for me it's about doing my research trying to understand who my character is how do they fit in the setting and trying to implement that in a way that helps convey the story that the narrator wants to tell yeah, and that's that's this is one of the things I really love about just power body apocalypse based games over like say something like Crunchy or like Five E or Pathfinder is Power Body Apocalypse is supposed to be more narrative and role playing focused. It relies on that GM player interaction to be like, what's going on in the world? What are we doing? What do you what are you trying to find kind of deal? You're constantly asking questions and interacting with the surroundings in the story to basically create and make the story. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, if you, it, it's all about what do you want to get out of your game. If you would like to have a very much a narrative and character-driven and how, how can we have all of these different pieces interact, absolutely go for this sort of an RPG with City of Mists, or there's a few others that I can think of and I don't remember them off the top of my head. Um try new systems try try a different thing if don't don't stick yourself into one type of rpg into one type of storytelling and say oh i'm good i'm done if you want something else out of your game at home if you want something else out of your friend group try it out yeah all sorts of resources that are online i'm sorry i keep cutting you off and (laughs) finishing my thought and then starting (laughs) another one But there's all sorts of resources online. You can find PDFs, you can find sample characters. I mean, the the, the possibilities are literally limitless. Go ask someone at your local game store if you've got one in town. Yeah, I've been definitely, I've been myself exploring just a bunch of different uh, TTRPGs I'm wanting to play at some point because, again, the RPG Goblin, she goes into all different sorts of games and systems. And so, like... so Power Buddy Apocalypse is originally started with one game called Apocalypse World. And then from then on, it, it created um, Monster of the Week, which is Monster Hunter. So very supernatural uh, type feeling. Uh, there was also Apocalypse Keys, which is monsters in like a po- post-apocalyptic world. Kind of still holding on to me handy. Uh, Evil Hat also did a, it's a game called Thirsty Sword Lesbians. And it focuses more on the LGBT plus kind of stuff, but it's more of a very like, uh, women with swords type stories, which can be really interesting when done right. And then um, they actually there is one. It's called Dungeon World, and it very much has that D and D type feel where you're selecting like who your class is and what they're doing and all that. But it's still powered by the apocalypse, so you're still being more narrative focused with it, and you're not as number crunchy as like say actual D and D does. And then there's just so many good games out there, and I'm just finding all these different like. Real either simple systems or rules light systems out there, because I feel like that's where a lot of people are striving more towards now these days. Is they want more narrative more than numbers. 
Exactly. And Dungeons and Dragons, in the way that they've done things, has really kind of started to tone down on the numbers. I mean, in second edition, you had two hit AC zero or Thaco, if you remember that term. I've played with that. It's, it's, it's a, it's a. It, oh my goodness, it's craziness. And then with three point five edition, they did all of their different skills. You simplified the AC system, and with each edition, they've been cutting less and less with the numbers and trying to get more of that narrative focus going. But folks it's it's not perfect no no system is ever going to be perfect i think and if we do hit that point then we're at the rapture or enlightenment i'm not sure which i'm bringing this up now because i noticed that either you've just we're not thinking about it or you're just purposely not saying it um so you've mentioned five two three three point five then there's the dreaded the dungeons and dragons fourth edition crazy uncle who lives under the bridge Which I actually, I found PDF documents for a lot of those uh, fourth edition handbooks because I kept seeing people talk about it and they're saying, oh, how bad is it? I'm one of those guys where it's like, if you say it's that bad, then I got to try it out and see for myself. So <laughs> I never ended up playing with fourth edition. I know that Skylar, that's, I, I, if I remember right, that's the one that he started with fourth edition and a lot of the things that he found in that he really enjoyed and some of those were brought into fifth edition some of them weren't and you know it's just it's kind of interesting yeah i i never played fourth edition and if that makes me a terrible no good awful kind of person then i'm willing to accept that judgment <laughs> but go ahead <laughs> Oh no! I just think because a lot of people, when you look about, they're saying it's the one, it's the one that isn't supposed to be named. Because for what I read and heard about, uh, fourth edition was supposed to be made with the video gamers in mind to to get them to come to the tabletop table and mm. get them to play. So, so apparently, a lot of the mechanics were supposed to make it feel more like a video game, but in the end, it ultimately failed. And I, I don't think it was around for long before they created five E, and. I always it always blows me away now because when I tell people that I have still have yet to actually play a Dungeons and Dragons myself, I've never played it yet. Still, I always get like looks or sounds of surprise now, and it's just funny because I still have yet to play. Now I'm so I'm planning on being guests on some podcasts that are Dungeons and Dragons at some point whenever scheduling decides to work out. But other than that, I have never played uh, Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder or anything like the such. I don't think that that's a cardinal sin. I I get that those are the front-runner names in terms of the TTRPG community, but that doesn't mean that that's the be-all and end-all. Like we've been talking about, there's all sorts of different systems with all sorts of different strengths and weaknesses in what stories they tell and how they tell them. And really, like we've said, it's all about what do you want at your table with your group, and it takes communication. It really does. Every group is going to be different in terms of what they want. Yeah, and so um, just I'm, we're kind of going all over the place here a little bit today because my I'm still like trying to wake up from last night. But other than that, I'm here and I'm here now. So <laughs> hey, I'm here. Let's go. So I am, just I am doing, here for the crazy journey. Let's ride. Yeah. So just going going back to the one shot that I ran for you guys of lies and leprechauns. What was your, just let's go, I just want to hear more, kind of a little more in depth of like what your thoughts about it overall were. Like stuff you enjoyed about it, stuff you didn't like about it. Just share thoughts, feelings, all that. Um, okay. So with the pre-development, I had never played City of Mist before. And so, yeah, like I said previously, it was really a, it was a learning curve trying to figure out is a completely different system. How do I actually make a character? So that process was a little bit rough, but once we got into the game, I really I I feel like I started to pick up kind of how the how the whole kit and caboodle worked. Um the the very simplified here are the different types of roles that you do, only needing a couple of six-sided dice, which if you've got Yahtzee in the house You've got enough for like three players right there. You can share that. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's so it's the 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 level of simplicity. I I was completely overlooking Mark as we were doing character creation and stuff. I'm like, this is too easy. I want it to be more complex. 
then you started presenting the morally complex situations of how do I present myself with the merry men? How do we chase this little guy down? I mean, and the, the the dichotomy completely shifted. I was like, oh, I am so not in power now. The, nope, nope, nope. I whoa. <laughs> um, the story that we told, I felt was fantastic and compelling, and you know what? Fit into the time frame that we had. Which is so good. Um, considering that that I, I think was the first time for all of the players in that group playing City of Mist, I feel like we gelled really well. Probably due to a bit with our history of doing recordings together. Having those character interactions, so much fun. Um, Skylar being able to pull off just an absolute god-level role there at the very end. Craziness. <laughs> Yeah, that was so when I think about like one of my favorite moments from the game and like I will go back to that because in that part and I will just listen to just that moment because it was because the way he had presented me, like I said, as far as I knew, had never been done in an actual City of Mist game before. So I had to like really think about for that moment, how do I want to do this? And that's when I said, this is going to be an ultimate stop holding back because you are trying to bring in your mythos which is what your powers are called in City of Mist, without, like, losing your, your, the re- any part of, more part of your humanity than you're already trying to give up. And the fact that he got the exact role that he needed to succeed on that without, like, any, like, increasingly major consequences was just, like, we were all, it, it's like we all were internally, was just, like, that one meme where it's all those kids behind the kid with the glasses just, ah! Honestly, it's so for me, it was almost like a sports event where it's like, oh, this is the critical play. This is where the rubber hits the road. This is the Hail Mary. And he pulled it off and the, we went berserk. It was. It, Skyler has an ability to do that. I'm going to say he does it in Fireside Dice, too. I mean, early on in the show, he went a bit meta with it. He he pulls things out of his back pocket that the the narrator never expects. He's pulled it on me. He pulled it on you. He's going to pull it on someone else in the future. And I love that about him. I love I love it when the players think and are active and engaged, and they come up with new and creative ways to get around you. So some other moments I think of because we had like two very serious characters. We had. Jen's the photographer, which caused some confusion for a moment because we had Jen's the player and then Jen's the character. We had, we had so, Rowan Hood, the protector of his area of the city, and then you get Dr. Heinrich. <laughs> and I ruined him for us. I will fully admit I was the one who started the joke. And I apologize. Yeah, but that just meant, but the fact that uh Okay, dang it. Who played Heinrich? I forgot his name now already, too. That would be Riley. Yeah, the fact that Riley was just completely okay with it and just let me go with it just made, I think, that much more enjoyable to do. Because So for those listening to us who probably don't have know what we're talking about, so before these one-shots, I will always host a session zero so I can go over any questions, make sure characters are all good and they look fine before we start the, the game or the one-shot the next week. And... One of the jokes that started happening, because we were trying to think about, because Riley wanted to be this scientist, and I think he was looking at the Elixir of Life for his mythos, I believe it was. Something like that. And the, 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 the character that he was basing it off was was the doctor from Team Fortress 2. Yeah, the medic from that. And so we, so throughout, so we eventually, at one point, we actually gave him the needle gun that the Team Fortress 2 doctor has. You see that a couple times in the one shot. And then I completely what what was the joke that started the whole Doofenshmirtz comparison? It probably just from the German name, and I was like, "Oh, are you going to try and do a bad German accent?" And he's like, "Oh, you want me to sound like Doofenshmirtz?" Yeah, and that led to me making a meme <laughs> with Heinrich's character on Doofenshmirtz building, and then just a bunch that of is- other running jokes. Then it just bled right into the game itself. 
Yeah, we basically took uh, Disney Don't Come After Us for this. We basically took Concepts of Phineas and Ferb and threw it into Studio Mist, just kind of as like, oh, here's what's happening in the background kind of deal. And the fact that we made um, Perry the Platypus as like a gatekeeper humanoid character. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it was mad. It was just. Some doobie of the doobie references. Doobie 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 doobie. <laughs> Yeah, but then it's like, and also, and I'm not going, I don't want to spoil this too much, but the twist that we threw in at the end of it, too, because you were like, oh, you think you get this guy, and then it's like, oh, here's all this other stuff that I also tied into it as well that was also, like, causing all this as well. Yeah, we had the, we had what was the perceived big bad, and then, oh, this is the actual big bad. I I was like, oh, for a one-shot, that's kind of (laughs) mean. Yeah. And if you're, yeah, if you're, so if everyone's curious about what it is, go listen to the three part of Lies of Leprechaun's one shot. You will not be disappointed, I promise. (laughs) (sighs) I had a great, I just had another thought and I lost it. What was I going to talk about next? Um, oh, no, I remember I was thinking because let's see, we talked about Disney, we talked about uh, Magic the Gathering, and I'm waiting for the Pinkertons to knock knock down my door at any moment now, so. Don't don't incur that kind of wrath. Not not in today's society. Uh, well, actually, that's a good segue for. I'm just just I ask this every now and then, just because I like to hear people's different opinions on it for a segment that I call the hot seat. So, with even though, despite your love for Dungeons and Dragons and the Magic the Worlds and Magic the Gathering, what's kind of been your thoughts and feelings about just everything that's been going on with the said owners of those brands, basically? I would like to start out by saying that my own thoughts and opinions do not reflect on the brand of Fireside Dice or Mysteries Unknown, that these are entirely my own thoughts and opinions. Oh, don't worry. I'll straight up admit if I agree with you on something. I've been sharing my own thoughts and feelings about... I'm Basically, it's to the point where I'm taking another system and I'm basically I'm going to be converting the uh, modules from D&D into a different system so I can use them for a different show I'm working on. So I'm pretty sure if it's anything like that, I'm pretty sure we even if we disagree, it's like we can still have civil conversation. So absolutely. Um, I feel like Wizards of the Coast as a brand has been declining that the there is not a respect for their fan base for what the players would like. That's basically what my opinion boils down to in terms of specifics. There are there's two different conversations to have. One is about Magic the Gathering, and one is about Dungeons and Dragons. Um, a lot of the stuff with Magic the Gathering has to do with the release of some of their more recent sets, more specifically March of the Machines and the Aftermath set of that specifically. Um, with some seizures of ill-handled property by the company with threat of force. I don't think that that's fair, and I don't think that that's right, and their move to go for entirely online stuff is disrespectful, frankly, to the community that they have built and says, oh, we do not value your time, we don't value the game stores, we want all of the monetary to us, and the microtransactions for that are crazy. Dungeons & Dragons, it's once again going to online and trying to get rid of the open game license was a major blunder. And a lot of the accusations that they made were things that they were doing themselves from the research that I did and from what I have seen. So I have uh, I seriously considered ending off Fireside Dice where it was right there and saying, let's start something fresh with a different system entirely. So how... So, being someone, a TTRPG podcast, and someone who's never played Dungeons & Dragons before, when this all started, I was more 
kind of reaching out to people just being being like hey what's going on because i was seeing what other people were sharing and i'm seeing ogl this ogl that and i just reached out and i'm just like what's going on what's everyone talking about and then the, the open gaming list was explained to me and then i started following some other uh, content creators like uh dungeon like dnd shorts if you don't know who that is you can look him up on youtube when this all started he was the one that was kind of sharing a lot of this stuff about what was going on with uh, WotC and Hasbro in regards to Dungeons & Dragons. And he, apparent, and he had cl- uh, emails leaked to him from either former employees or current unnamed employees of the company at the time. And of course, a lot of it was kind of like, is this correct? Is that correct? And he did provide receipts at some point to be like, no, the majority of this is what I'm saying is true. And if it's not true, I apologize for this. But the major- but he did back up a lot of what he had received and what he had shared. But then uh, Wizards of the Coast decided to turn around and be like, oh, we're not going to do it. And then they opened a lot of stuff up for SRD. One of those including um, a Curse of Strahd. Curse of Strahd was put in the SRD to, to be for people to use. And I kind of was like, oh, they're kind of turning a new leaf here. And then the Magic of the Gathering, the, thing, the Magic of the Gathering with the Pinkertons happened, which I'm not a fan of the card game myself. I'd never really played it that much. So it didn't bother me that much. But then I started seeing kind of like how, like, more of like what actually happened around it. I'm just like, that's not really right. And then there's. And then now D&D is trying to bring back the one D&D, and now they're doing all the shenanigans with open gaming license again. And that was when I was just kind of like, yeah, no. Yeah, I, I am not a fan currently of the company Wizards of the Coast. And I have been pretty much slowing down, if not stopping completely my purchases from them and their products. Yeah, so I unfortunately did buy a few other things, but um, once again, though, I am like I'm taking those modules, I'm converting them over to another system, so I'm so like a lot of stuff will be adjusted. But this is kind of like my two middle fingers up to Wasi being like, "Ha, I'm not using your system. What are you going to do about it?" Because I feel like even though yeah, they may have taken some of my money, I feel like just not using their not using the modules for their intended p- purpose would makes a way bigger impact than. Just giving someone like thirty bucks for a book, because that thirty bucks you have to split throughout anyone, so someone's not getting a whole piece of the pie either way. Honestly, it's it's kind of tragic because they were kind of the pioneer company of TTRPGs, and it, it's a societal issue in it, in the top down, the bottom up of monetization. Fast cash grabs and instant gratification. Yeah, and then that just made me think of um, I forget. I know um, Disney was there was a clip. There were some articles going around. Disney was going to start making their own kind of Magic the Gathering s card game. And I guess apparently they it's saying that a company that owns a game called Lorcana is now trying to sue them because they're saying they stole like. Like it was like a former worker that worked for the company, like stole like a lot of the like main files of the cards, and that's what Disney's using for their own card game now. Apparently, I I'm not aware of all of that. There's other issues that I have with Disney, but that's that's very <laughs> much that's neither here nor there. Oh yeah, that's a whole different that's a whole different other podcast away from this one. That is not a tabletop thing for sure. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, just. And this is also why I say that more narrative than numbers now is because of just all the stuff that WotC Hasbro is they're doing against their basically their own community. And I think people are moving away from that and being like, what else can we play instead? And so that's why I'm big on getting looking at other games like uh, Pathfinder did a humble bundle thing where they gave away like almost three hundred dollars worth of stuff for like twenty five dollars. And so I invested in that, and now I got all this Pathfinder stuff, and I'm just slowly working my way through, just kind of glancing over it, because I want to either play or run a Pathfinder game at some point. And it's actually very creative and neat with what you can do with just your characters alone in Pathfinder. Absolutely. 
Sorry, I, I feel like it's kind of retreading the same ground. I, I, I feel like I keep, I, I'm a broken record at this point. Try other stuff. It's all creative. Just do something. Yeah. Well, you said you played a first edition Pathfinder. Did you ever play second edition? I actually don't have any of the books for that. I, I, I've been seeing them at my local game store, and there's a part of me that really wants to get at least a couple. Um, and I hope my, one of my wildest fantasies, there's a game, there's a campaign in Pathfinder 1st Edition that I desperately wanted to play. It's a political intrigue game called Curse of the Crimson Throne. Um, where it all takes place in kind of one big city. And you're trying to... It goes through all sorts of different arcs that were released over the course of a couple of years. I really hope gets ported over, for lack of a better term, into second edition Pathfinder. Yeah, so there's actually... I found this module when I was looking at Pathfinder stuff and just watching other, like, TTRPG videos. Uh, this one was done... This video I watched it was done by a content creator named Puffin Forest. Really funny guy. A uh, lot of great stories on his channel. And he shared... It's, uh, I'll have to look this up again, the name of it. But it's a module that's basically uh, a TPK module. And it's basically your party's trying to survive as many ways for as long as they can. Because... The party dies either way, but it's like it's still like a good outcome ending. Like it's not oh you die everything goes to crap. It's just like oh you die but you gave the uh like the prayer people enough time to get rid of the evil that's in the area. Kind of deal. But it's basically like a giant TPK module where you're just finding wave after wave of monsters and they just get stronger and stronger. It's kind of interesting. I I I had a home game couple of years ago that it was the formation of a necropolis a city of the dead and kind of a zombie uprising kind of thing um full-blown like apocalypse level things um the players were weren't destined to die through the decisions that they had made they ended up dying and the players, they were very unsatisfied with all having a TPK and, oh, the Necropolis came, and they were like, you just wanted the Necropolis to come, why didn't you have a start with that? And I, I didn't really have a satisfactory answer for them at the time. I don't like killing off characters. Um, spoilers for Fireside Dice. Um, Bart... Bart is setting himself up narratively to be killed in so many different ways. I hate it because it's like, I don't want to kill a character. Yeah, well, the party on Fireside Dice has some pretty close calls on several times, especially whenever they've had the unfortunate circumstance to be face to face with Streffenmauer for sure. Oh, there's Streffenmauer. There's the I, I believe that the bone grinder has been released at this point. Um... The hags almost did them in, and then 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 Surrey's patron came out, and that was scary. Yeah. So okay. So I actually do have this on my phone. That uh, play test doc I was talking about. It's called Doomsday Dawn, and it's a whole entire eventual mod adventuring module. But there's like one part at the end, towards the end of it, where it's just like you just gotta fight for as long as possible, and they the enemies just keep coming. They do not stop. Always wanted. I, I've always wanted to do that kind of a game where it's a just survive at the end, um, and that's what I really wanted for the zombie apocalypse home game to turn out to be. It just didn't end up happening. We got rushed. We had character dynamics that were wonky and player dynamics that turned sour. But yeah, I actually uh, while. Few, several weeks ago, I ran a uh, zombie apocalypse game at a local game day event, and it's uh, done by another group, and they're independent ma uh, tabletop creators. And I just, I basically, I just recreated uh, Dawn of the Dead, where they're in, you're, they, these players are in a mall, and they gotta get supplies and reactivate the power and all that. And so, I had a, it was, it's a simplified D twenty system, so. It's, and it's so you have like you have to roll for attack and defense. There's no really specific turn order, and all your weapons have a set damage they deal. You don't have to roll for damage, and so it made it for a fun. And then the players, because you could roll for all your different characteristics. I had a one character 
that was good with firearms, but also afraid of them at the same time. And then I had another player, because I ran two different games at this game day using the same game. The first one was, one of the things was they were constantly telling dad jokes. And <laughs> every time they did a dad joke at the table, we were all just like, ah. Oh. <laughs> and then, oh, this one player got me really good. Um, He had a character that had short-term memory loss. And then he's trying to, he asked me about something that I literally just explained over like not even a minute before. And because, and because I can't pick up social cues as well because of my autism. So I'm not reading that he's messing with me right off the bat. And everyone just looks at me and they're like, he's messing with you. And it's that weird moment where you're just taking that second, the light bulb goes off your hand. You're just like, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then just the character action with that same thing as game, it's like, where are we going over there? Where are you going over there? It's like, we're going, I just said we're going, oh, because it's like, it's easy to forget things, because it's very fast-paced sometimes. <laughs> get that, I get that. Um, I had a thought, and then I lost it. Right. Put the train back on the rails. No, I've got, I've got the brain Roomba going. It's it's hit the corner and it's trying to turn around like two and a half times. <laughs> hit another wall. <laughs> it's like watching a Roomba is the same as like watching that DVD logo to see if it'll hit the corner perfectly or not. <laughs> That's if I have one brain cell at a time. It bounces around and if I hit the corner I get a thought. Sorry, I've got all sorts of fun little malophores just mixed metaphors. <laughs> Okay, so I actually have an interesting question that I would like to know. So you did so you so a couple times y'all did two different like just one shots with other players. And I think it was after the Halloween one, we saw Emma join the join the party. Mm-hmm. What can, what brought that around? What made y'all decide, oh, let's get someone else involved now? So if I am being perfectly honest. The bonded in battle one shot was to test Emma to see if she was a good fit for our show because we were like, we are completely whitewashed men here. This could be our mother's basement for all that anyone else knows. We wanted to have another voice, someone that brought a different perspective to Fireside Dice. So with Emma, we were like, okay, well, we want a vetter to see if she's a good fit for the table. Hit the Bonded in Battle one-shot, and at the end of that, all of us were like, yeah, this is a good fit. Emma, you want to join for our next session? We'll bring you right, we'll bring your character right over. She said yes, and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, because I, I didn't like seeing her interactions with, like, in and, like, in and out of character. She's really cool, from what I've heard so far. I uh, it was sad that she wasn't able to be part of our one shot, but who knows? Maybe we'll have to do another one, and we'll see if they'll all be available for the next one. So, absolutely, I still got I still got stuff planned out. Um, I got actually I don't want to say what else I'm about to do because I just, I got stuff planned for the future, but I'm saving that for a different announcement. So I'm not going to say that here. But there is more news to come, people. So, so I think we got enough time. Just do one kind of final question: uh, what What does the future hold for Fireside Dice? What's kind of the once they and if they're able to defeat uh oh Streffenmauer, I forgot his name for a split second. Once it, it once and if they're able to beat Streffenmauer, what is the future for the party? That is that's honestly it's a good question. It's a bit of a mixed question. Um I don't know how much I'm actually at liberty to say because while I do help to run the show, I, I don't get to have the sign-off on all of the things for our podcast. I will say, however, that there are some fun interactions to be had for the party that you're getting to know in the main campaign, and there are ideas in the works for the characters that you talked about in the one-shots. It, there's ideas that are coming up for them that might be able to make it to the channel itself. Oh, nice. That sounds like it would be very interesting. And 
do y'all still plan on using Dungeons and Dragons for once you're done with this uh, arc of the story? Because I've actually, I know like some podcasts that were running the D originally have like moved away from it now. They're doing other systems, but I mean, there are still plenty of podcasts that still use Dungeons and Dragons, and they have every right to do so. Do so because it is not their fault that the company that created this game is now like exposing their devil horns on their head. Um. I'm not entirely certain. I there's it's an ongoing conversation for us over at Fireside Dice as to whether or not we want to continue with Dungeons and Dragons, or if we want to change to a different system. And in terms of what system that would be, we're not sure. Currently, currently we're looking at finishing out the Curse of Innistrad arc in D and D Five E, and. Some of the other plans that we have are well suited to that system. But if there is a change, I am certain that we will let everyone know. <sighs> Excuse me. All right. Yeah. So I'm definitely looking forward to hearing what more of what Fireside Dice brings to my listening ears for sure. I've been enjoying what you all have had so far. Uh, you all and Scowler have been big supporters of mine since I started too. And I can't thank you enough for that, so... Well, you do good work. <laughs> Alright, so... Do you know all the plugs that you can share at the top of your head, or do you want me to take that honor? <laughs> you go right ahead. Alright, and I thought I had my Instagram open, because... Because uh, Fireside Dice finally got their own uh, Instagram account to share all the Fireside Dice podcast stuff, so... If I could, you can always find them on any preferred podcasting platform. So Spotify, Google, Amazon. If you go there, that's probably where it is. And then you can always hold on. You can always hit them up on Instagram at Fireside Dice Pod, all one word. And that is where you will get all your Fireside Fireside Dice news. And I'll just throw in Scowler in here as well, just so because, as you said, he's kind of the one that organized everything and so he he's had a big hand in this as well so and he is the founder of his own thing called realms of role-playing and you can always find him at realms underscore of underscore role-playing and that's r-o-l-e not r-o-l-l as he likes to say so Mm -hmm. and then as always you can find mysteries unknown to listen to on any of your preferred podcasting platforms and you can also follow me on Instagram at Podcast. M-I-S-T-U-N-K podcast. I also have a side account. That's my TTRPG meme slash sideshow account called I Don't Know How to DM. And you can follow me on there as well at IDK How to DM. And if you just feel like emailing me and you want to talk about anything else, you can always email me at Podcast at gmail.com. All right, Jens, this was really great. I'm glad we got to get you on here, and we just got to talk. And so, once again, I'm looking forward to what you and the rest of Fireside Dice will bring. Well, thank you for having me, and I, I hope that the future is bright. Come, join us by the fire. The story's about to begin. <laughs>